2: Thanks so much for listening, everybody. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. Today is going to be kind of an interesting show. we got Anthony Fauci who's going to beam himself in along with the CDC director at uh, Redfield and the uh, FDA chairman uh, Cohen. And they're going to be uh, in front of a Senate committee just talking about what went wrong leading up to the uh, pandemic that we're witnessing right now and what could be done from here. Anthony Fauci in a preview to the New York Times. Let everybody know I'm basically going to say there's a there's a real worry about reopening too quick. Uh, Mr. Fauci, I hear you, uh, but keep in mind, there's a real worry to not reopening because the current situation, not sustainable. People are also getting sick just waiting in their house. And when 66 to 80 percent of the people who are reporting for a hospitalizations or positive tests are coming from their house, not from mass transportation or work, I'm wondering about the effectiveness and the sacrifice involved in this, if it is really worth it in the long run. Hogan Kidley live from the White House in, t- in 10 minutes. Bottom of the hour, one of the best guests in uh, politics, Senator John Kennedy of Louisiana. And then we'll give you an idea of what's going on today. And that's for uh, the show personally and for me. Sam Houston, the Alamo Avengers, the Texas victory that changed American history. Now out on paperback uh, and we'll have an interview with uh, Doug Brinkley on that. So let's get to the big
3: three.
1: Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three.
3: Number three. We have to put money in the pockets of the American people. To those who would suggest a pause, I'll say the hunger doesn't take a pause. The rent doesn't take a pause. The hardship doesn't take a pause.
2: You know, this is a woman that wouldn't even come back and vote on the last rescue package. A rescue. A rescue. Pelosi back in town, demanding trillions. We don't have a rescue plan right now. Republicans won't sign it anyway. We're gonna look at the, uh, the latest partisanship Capitol Hill fight.
4: Number two.
5: It appears that the president had in- encouraged the Justice Department and the FBI not to tell Donald Trump about what they'd been looking into with regard to Flynn. We have some more to learn about what President Obama may have done and said about all this and whether he may have directed the whole thing.
2: Yep, uh, Britain, you wing in last night. Trump first Biden. Uh, excuse me, Trump first Obama, I should say. Three fights, uh, two fights loom. What President Obama did to Trump on the way out the door in 2016 and how he plans to fight past Biden to make sure Trump is shown the door in 2020. Newsflash, the president welcomes that fight, especially against him.
6: Number one. If you look at various other states, I'm, I won't get into them. Uh, the people want to go back. The numbers are getting to a point where they can. and There just seems to be no effort on certain uh, blue states to get back into gear. I agree. Opening
2: up and pushing back. As many states ramp up, some stay locked down. And the pushback uh, is powerful and pervasive. We go across the country to look at the state of the comeback. And uh, I do want to get to Michael Flynn this block. And I do want to get to Hogan Gidley uh, in 10 minutes, not being too late. But first things first, I want to talk about the reopening. The President of the United States knows uh, our path to victory as a country is pushing the envelope forward smartly when it comes to reopening. And what's not happening in states like Michigan and Pennsylvania and Virginia is an offensive push to do it. Not haphazardly making Main Street work in small towns and suburban areas, if not in downtown Charleston, uh, if not in downtown Philadelphia, there are other areas that actually are ready to open up. And when to, when Governor Tom Wolf of Pennsylvania said, "I'm going to keep everything shut down until June," people went crazy in Pennsylvania. They might single-handedly be giving that state back to uh, back to Donald Trump, who won it last time. Now, at the same time in Colorado, when you uh, Mother's Day pack a restaurant as if there was no pandemic. And now you get that restaurant closed down. I have no sympathy for you. That means you make everybody look bad. I believe we're ready to act responsibly, not irresponsibly. What's going to happen is you give fuel to those who want to be so conservative. They don't care that gyms will never reopen. They don't care that bars can't live on delivering food and takeout only. So there is widespread unrest in Pennsylvania and pushback and demands to open anyway. Listen to Governor Tom Wolf in Harrisburg yesterday. Cut 10.
7: To those politicians who decide to cave in to this coronavirus, they need to understand the consequences of their cowardly act. Still, over this past weekend, some have decided to, to surrender to this enemy. These are politicians who were elected to serve their fellow citizens. Others are business owners who have chosen to serve their customers by putting them in harm's way. These folks are choosing to desert in the face of the enemy, in the middle of a war that we Pennsylvanians are winning and that we must win. Uh, You're
2: wrong. Uh, You don't fight a war by not fighting. Uh, We understand the few weeks we got schooled on it, and now these people want to get back to work fully understanding that they could get the virus and how to stop them getting the virus or decrease the chances. They're tired of staying at home. So a group of state lawmakers in Pennsylvania, Franklin County, sent Wolf a letter over the weekend informing him of their plans to go ahead against the shutdown. They argued in the letter that the county has met the requirements of the original stay-at-home order by flattening the curve. The local health care facilities now have the capacity to treat patients, and they have had enough protective equipment. Therefore, let them in the game. Among the people that have pointed that out is... The president, he tweeted out, the great people of Pennsylvania want their freedom now, and they're fully aware of what it entails. The Democrats are moving slowly all over the U.S. for political purposes. They will wait till November 3rd if it were up to them. Don't play politics. Be safe. Ten counties now in the state Susquehanna Valley have either announced a date to reopen or demanded Wolf lift the reopening orders. Totally true. I think New York is the next battle. I mean, New York has got uh, some counties that are going to open, but not enough. Push the envelope. Understand, go in there with a fire hose if there is to be a hot spot. Other unrest in California. Los Angeles County uh, Sheriff says there's things that can be be done. You have people like Tesla saying, I'm the only car manufacturing in the state. Alameda County is fine. I don't think we just should have shut down anyway. And now Elon Musk is saying, open it up. And if you're going to arrest anyone, arrest me. Good luck. You want to scare off the other cutting edge car manufacturer with a, I believe, a stock that's going through the roof? Go ahead and do it. That makes no sense. I think Gavin Newsom's smarter than that, but you never know. there could be, you just put lawmakers in the worst spot possible. Here's the president yesterday, cut one.
6: If you look at Pennsylvania as an example, uh, if you look at various other states, I won't get into them, uh, the people want to go back. The numbers are getting to a point where they can and there just seems to be no effort on certain uh, blue states to get back into gear and the people aren't going to stand for it they want to get back they're not going to stand for it they want our country open i want our country open too i want it open safely but i want it open you can't just listen to the scientists you
2: can't just look at the economists the president's got to play them both Yesterday, he had a press conference where he talked about the improvement on testing. Others have pushed back and say it's not nearly as good as you you made it out to be. For me, the president uh, was out there talking about advances. He's all talking about the fight, and that's fine. Uh, But, of course, all the questions yesterday were about the West Wing, the protocol. Why aren't you wearing a mask? Why isn't the vice president um, quarantined? Why is uh, Anthony Fauci quarantined? Uh, Your testing has gotten better, but it's not as good as you say. That's why I say Mr. President open it up to the open it up to the rest of the country let's find out what Michigan thinks let's find out what the reporters in Pennsylvania and Texas and Florida think let's find out because I think that helps. you are a you have a national audience and we're stuck in intramural pro intramural scrimmages in Washington with a bunch of people that are told by their news directors or actually think that do whatever you can to unnerve the president and it might even be working. I'm not sure. But uh, overall, the other big story that Joe Biden calls a distraction is the Michael Flynn story. Michael Flynn is uh, somebody that was, uh, uh, was accused of lying to, uh, to FBI investigators. And upon further review, after three years, A.G. Barr says what he was saying uh, was not something that was material to any case. There was no Russian conspiracy to take down the country. Michael Flynn is not a treasonous and what he did in speaking with the ambassador of Russia was not a crime. What the FBI did in not telling him that this was an active investigation was wrong and therefore he threw it out. He said, we're not prosecuting the case. I wait to see what the judge does. Now, the offensive against Michael Flynn happened in 2016 with the previous administration. And Joe Biden was part of that. Joe Biden was in the room in January when they talked about this. He just was uh, put on the spot by George Stephanopoulos. I'm going to bring that forward when I talk to Hogan Gidley in just a second uh, about this whole investigation. This has really split the Justice Department. Some swear this has never been done before. And some swear this has been done all the time. And for those people who are worried about people getting away with swearing under oath and lying, then don't tell me you're not, uh, you're, you're not upset that Andy McCabe is not paying the price and that President Clinton is not paying the price. I'm Brian Kilmeade. It's a big Monday show. A lot on the agenda. Don't miss a minute.
1: It's Brian Kilmeade.
8: Did you know that every major diaper company either financially or vocally supports abortion? If that appalls you and you're looking to support a baby brand that aligns with your pro-life, pro-family views, then Every Life is your solution. Every Life firmly believes that regardless of where someone is from, what they look like, or whether they were planned or unplanned, every baby is a miracle from God worthy of love, protection, and celebration. Every Life offers high-performing, supremely soft, premium diapers and wipes delivered right to your doorstep. Their diapers are crafted without fragrances, dyes, lotions, latex, parabens, or phthalates. And you can feel good knowing that every purchase with Every Life contributes to changing lives through their support of pro life organizations and pregnancy resource centers. Every Life is not just changing diapers, they're changing lives. Visit everylife.com to learn more. That's everylife.com. And don't forget to use promo code Duffy10 for an exclusive 10% discount on your first order today.
2: As many of you know from your own life experiences, a life in so called blue collar work is something to be proud of. It is very rewarding to work that has impact on your friends, your neighbors, and your family's lives. Great successes can be had in the blue-collar career. There's no degree requirement for achieving comfort, peace, and freedom. While schools cut shop classes and funnel students into colleges, there are plenty of options for hard workers who are ready to take advantage of open positions. Many young people today assume that college is the only way to achieve success in life. That is not true. Let me introduce you to Ken Rusk. Ken spent his younger years digging ditches and working in construction. He never went to college. Instead, he made goals, planned, and worked hard for 30 years. Now, Ken is a successful entrepreneur with multiple businesses and revenue streams.
1: The fastest three hours in radio. You're with Brian Kilmeade.
6: Your former Senate colleague Charles Grassley has added that Flynn was entrapped and asked on the Senate floor, what did Obama and Biden know? When did they know it? So what did you know about those moves to investigate uh, Michael Flynn? And was there anything improper done?
9: I know nothing about those moves to investigate Michael Flynn, number one. Number two, this is all about diversion. This is a game this guy plays all the time. The country is in crisis, we're in an economic crisis, a health crisis, we're in real trouble. He should stop trying to always divert attention from the real concerns of the American people. The American people are worried with good reason.
2: Okay, first off. There's so much wrong with what Joe Biden just said. Number one, not true. You were part of it. You knew about it. And he later would correct himself, and he's about to do that. Number two, it's not a diversion that the president caused. It was an AG decision to dismiss charges. You better believe it's a big deal. That was supposed to be his national security advisor. Not a diversion. It's part of the inner workings of his administration. And number three, and most importantly, it was Senator Grassley that brought it up and said the Obama administration was a part of it. And it was one administration going after an incoming administration, not a diversion. What is wrong with this guy? He is hiding away in a way in the basement. I thought it was his garage, it's actually his basement. He refuses to come out. And even though guy, people like David Plux and, uh, David, uh, uh, David, Pluff and, and uh, David Axelrod have said to him, as Democrats, you've got to get out and you've got to get about, he, the guy doesn't leave. He's been a disaster. Grassley brought it up. And it was the AG that brought up Senator, uh, that brought up National Security Advisor Flynn on why he was fired in an investigation that shouldn't have been launched. With me right now is Hogan Gidley. Hogan, uh, not the hardest question to start with, but you missed it on Good Morning America. Joe Biden says you, that the administration brings up uh, Flynn as a diversion. True?
10: A diversion? A diversion from What? Uh, You know, I'm sure I'm sure that Joe Biden and I'm sure that Barack Obama don't want anyone looking into their behavior and their activities and whether or not that they broke the law and whether they wiretapped and spied on an American citizen, which we now know they did, uh, whether they tried to coerce somebody or or entrap somebody and and General Flynn to tell a lie. Um, I'm sure they don't want people looking into that. I'm sure they would prefer lots of distractions, things that don't matter, like uh, Russia collusion or a dossier or a hoax about you know impeachment, whatever it may be that the Democrats have come up with they don't want anyone looking into their background i've got to tell you one of the things you need to understand as an American citizen is if Donald Trump wasn't elected, we wouldn't know any of this. All of this stuff, the, the Lisa Page, the Peter Strzok's, the cover-ups with Clapper and Comey and Brennan, all these folks, you wouldn't have known any of this. And now people are starting to see exactly what happened here. And I've got to tell you, as an American citizen, I'm quite concerned that our government could treat people in this way.
2: So Senator Grassley was one that brought up that they want to find out more. And I guess today uh, we're going to get more details from Rick Grinnell on, uh, how many people had access to the unmasking of Michael Flynn and others. Can you move this story forward? We know I think by now today we're supposed to find out who are those people. Can you tell me?
10: Well, no, I can't tell you. I'm not going to get ahead of that. And we'll see exactly what documents that, um, uh, Grinnell puts forward. I'm not even aware of which ones are coming. Uh, I can tell you what we know from documents we've already seen is that the people like Powers and Clapper and Rice and Lynch um, all knew that there was no evidence of anything on uh, collusion or anything like that with Donald Trump. But yet these these uh, hoax impeachments and hoax uh, Russia collusions and all these narratives continue to move forward throughout the mainstream media, even though so many at the higher uh, echelons within the Obama administration uh, Knew that this wasn't going anywhere and was a joke. And yet it kept continuing forward, and we deserve to know why. The American people have a right to know why people were spied upon. They have a right to know why people um, uh, high up in the Obama administration and, quite frankly, high up at the FBI were attempting to entrap an American citizen. These are serious, severe issues. And if the media is not going to cover it, if they're not going to cover his exoneration, uh, uh, um, you know, uh, General Flynn's, like they did all the scandals around him, that shows you that they're agenda driven. It shows they have a narrative they want to push. And time and time again, it's against this country. It's ob- obviously and absolutely against this president. But they need to answer for it, too. There's a reason the media are, are, are thought so poorly of in this country. It's because of stuff just like this.
2: I want you to hear what Chuck Schumer says. He's looking forward to questioning Anthony Fauci today. So, because the president won't be looking over his shoulder. Cut 11.
11: Until now. We've mostly heard from the members of the Coronavirus Task Force through the distorted lens of the White House press conference, where the President often prevents them from answering fully, interrupts their response, or even contradicts their fact-based advice. This will be one of the first opportunities for Dr. Fauci to tell the American people the unvarnished truth without the President lurking over his shoulder. Dr. Fauci? Let it rip. Does the
2: administration worry about Dr. Fauci letting it rip?
10: Absolutely not. We're the ones who made sure that Dr. Fauci has been on television. I mean, he's a rock star, for heaven's sakes, in large part because of his information and knowledge and know how about. Uh, this virus, but he also is in close proximity to the president. Conversations with him daily. He was in the task force giving recommendations. We took a lot of those recommendations. He signed off on a lot of the guidelines we put forward, and he has let it rip before. For example, on March 23rd, Dr. Fauci said he couldn't imagine anyone doing a better job on this than Donald Trump. So time and time again, Dr. Fauci's uh, told the truth to the American people. The problem is the media just don't
4: want to acknowledge what he said in the past because so much of it has to do with praising this administration. That's Angie.com or download the app today to get started on getting all your jobs done. That's Angie your trusted ally in home services.
10: Quickly, it moved to protect the American people. Lives were saved because of Donald Trump. That's the bottom line. And I hate, um, well, I don't hate it. I actually enjoy the fact that the Democrats are trying to twist themselves in a pretzel to blame him for the virus, to blame him for the reopening. And when we shut this country and down quick, to protect American yeah. lives, they said he was racist and xenophobic, and now it's on them.
2: Real quick, uh, Thomas Friedman, former C, uh, CDC director, it says we're reopening based on politics, ideology, and public pressure, and I think it's going to end badly. What's your reaction? Is that how you're
10: opening? We're opening on phases based on science and guidelines from health experts and medical experts. And i got to be honest, when we say reopen, that doesn't mean we go back and start having lunch sitting on everyone's laps and giving piggyback rides up and down Main Street. We understand this is about social distancing, maintaining the mitigation efforts we have in place. But this country has been hurt. Uh, the American spirit's been attacked, but it will never be broken. We'll come back stronger because of this president, and we'll reopen in a responsible, rational way because the American people are brave and they get. It.
2: Got it. Hogan Gibley, thanks so much. Senator Kennedy coming up next. Brian Kilmeade Show, don't move.
12: Fox Nation presents podcasts. Women of the Bible Speak.
8: I'm Shannon Bream, host of Fox News at Night and author of the new book, Women of the Bible Speak The Wisdom of 16 Women and Their Lessons for Today. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, FoxNewsPodcast.com, or wherever you download your podcasts.
1: The talk show that's getting you talking. You're with Brian Kilmeade.
3: We have to put money in the pockets of the American people, recognizing the pain, the agony that they are feeling. To those who would suggest a pause, I'll say the hunger doesn't take a pause. The rent doesn't take a pause. Uh, The hardship doesn't take a pause.
2: Okay, how about that? Uh, The woman who invented the word pause, remember the impeachment? I'm going to hold him in my hands and I'm going to go to celebrate Christmas. Remember the woman that wouldn't come back to Washington, even though there was a bill ready to go in the House, but instead she went on James Corden's late night show? Now she says, I drew up a plan, didn't show anybody, got no Republican input, but I'm demanding at least $2 trillion, between $1 and $2 trillion. After we already wrote trillions of dollars worth of checks on money we don't have. With me right now, who knows the facts of the case, Senator John Kennedy. Uh, member of the Senate Judiciary Committee, Budget and Appropriations uh, Committees uh, of Louisiana. Senator, welcome back. Thank you, Brian, for having me. All right. So your response to uh, the speaker suddenly
13: in a rush. Um, I, I really regret that the the speaker has used this tragedy of the coronavirus to prosecute her political goals. Uh, She's been obstructionist every step of the way in passing the four bills that we passed to try to help the American people. She uh, constantly, and I'm judging her by her actions, She, She, by her actions, she constantly, just constantly tries to to politicize everything and, and she's thinking about the next election and not the next generation. And I say with this, with all the respect I can muster, I wish the the speaker would just stop it. She, she, uh, she, her hatred for the president coursing through her veins is clouding her judgment. It's, 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 it's putting her her, 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 her feelings about, president of
2: the United States above what's in the best interest of the American people. And I think most
13: Americans
2: She thinks she's a one man yeah. And Senator, she thinks she's a one woman army uh, of, of of government and she's not. There's this thing called the Senate, there's these people called Republicans and this man called the president cut 38 is more
10: of her disdain is the president part of these discussions, these negotiations.
3: I don't uh, I don't have any idea what the president does.
10: He said that the House was on vacation.
3: But you know what? Don't waste your time or mine on what he says.
2: Really? Don't waste your time on what the president
13: says? Look, that, that's so unprofessional. If, if the speaker would like to pass another bill, um, all she has to do is sit down with uh, the Republican leadership in the House, the, the Democratic leadership in the Senate and the Republican leadership in the Senate and, 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 and the president and his people and say, okay, let's everybody put their ideas on the table. Uh, what, what's worked in the first four bills? What hasn't worked? What, where do you think we need to do more? Uh, what mistakes did we make? And let's do this in good faith. And let's, I don't need the, the, the election to the people. But she hasn't, so you've done already done, you've, she hasn't done that with she any hasn't. of the four bills. And, Matt, she blew and up I, I one really that was it, just it, about it, done, and she hard. delayed it. I mean, I, I can remember it took my breath away at one point. She talked about the president not caring about human life. And, you know, that's just uncalled for, Brian. And, and I, look, I understand this business. It's not the big rock candy mountain around here. Politics can be unforgiving. But there's a time for it, and there's a time. And if ever there was a time, it's this time to say, okay, let's let's put the politics on pause for a while and try to work uh, for the common good of the country. And she just doesn't seem to be able to do that.
2: No kidding. Uh, Meanwhile, money is a big deal. Uh, The trillions of dollars, when we finally get out of this, we want to know, are we going to be in an unsustainable debt situation? I think that's the point. When we look around the corner, it's not that people want to deny states anything. It's we're, paying, we're spending money we don't have. And not not many people want other people to suffer because we're just trying to be smart about it. Uh, you mentioned the CARES Act has passed. There's already been $150 billion in relief. It's uh, provided payments to the states uh, and about $1.2 uh, uh, per state given out, $1.25 billion given out. You want these states to have control of this money. Is that
13: your new bill that you're putting out there, flexibility? Yes, Brian, but let me point out first, look, we can't keep spending endless amounts of money. We've spent $6 trillion, $3 trillion in the four bills that Congress has passed, and I think the Federal Reserve by now has probably spent or will spend another 3000000000000 trillion. We're going to run out of digits here. Uh, We can't – Congress can't buy the American economy, nor can the Federal Reserve. The the only way to save the American economy is to get it back up and running. It's no longer safe or soon. It's safe and soon. And I believe we can do it safely. One of the things that I think Uh, would help is my bill. Right. It wouldn't spend any new money. It just says that the money we've given to the states now already in the CARES Act can be used to fill holes in their budget. They can't use it to bail out their pension plans, but they can use it to, to plug a hole when their sales tax runs short. All we would, we've already given them the money. We would just give them more flexibility. It may obviate the need for any more money to the states and cities at all.
2: All right, I want you to hear, uh, well, that's fine. Uh, so we'll see if there'll be a string attached they can't put it to their pension funds. But, you know, I've talked to Governor Rick Scott. He said, I made tough decisions over the course of 10 years as governor. And I used to debate with the blue states all the time about what they're spending it on, from illegal aliens to sanctuary cities uh, to pension plans that are unaffordable long term they take loans out to pay their state budgets because they're not allowed to have a deficit. And now that they're in this horrible situation like New York is, and Illinois is, with Chicago anyway, uh, now they want bailout money for these unsustainable budgets. So you want to have compassion for the people, but you don't want to have the compassion for the governors for decades that have been irresponsible while others have made the hard choices. That's the tough spot we're in right now if you're a member of the federal government, aren't we?
13: Well, Senator Scott is, is a, a a good friend of mine, and he was an extraordinarily able governor. He's a good senator. And I understand his point. Um, but I'm not talking about new money. We've already given the states about $150 billion. Uh, we restricted their spending to the coronavirus. What we're now discovering is that some states... Are going to have huge revenue shortfalls and cities. Let me give you an example. Yep. A lot of cities, a lot of cities, um, run their utility systems. People aren't paying; they can't pay, so the cities aren't cutting off their electricity. But the cities have to have to continue to pay for the electricity that they're providing to the people for free. So the cities are running out of capital. All I'm saying is, let them use some of the money we've already given them. To keep their utility system up and going, um, that's the sort of thing no, I hear that you. I have in mind. Isn't it? Well, I
1: have, I have news for you. There's more.
13: Point. I don't, I don't want to give this yeah. money to to a state that has mismanaged its government. Um, uh, but that's why I put in the part about you can't use it in your pension system.
2: Gotcha. Here's what uh, I have news for you. There's more handouts. Cut forty-two. Gavin Newsom. The challenge is enormous these budgetary shortfalls are so much bigger than any state any city any county uh, but they directly impact public safety it's not just states asking for bailout quite the contrary
14: it's requesting that we support those that we need the most at this time our public safety officials our public health uh, officials uh, and make sure that we do justice to our public education systems
2: And he goes on to ask for a trillion dollars for Oregon, California, and Washington. These three states want a trillion dollars.
13: Well, that's ridiculous. And here's what I would say to Governor Newsom. Governor, we all have to share a shared sacrifice. The American people have certainly sacrificed. And and you're going to have to take your budget and use it and prioritize. I agree with you public safety is important, okay? Put that at the top of the list. Number two, put public health. But you're going to have to make some hard decisions like the American people have. And so are mayors. By the way, so is Congress. We ought to be scrubbing our budget as well. Uh, All my bill would say is, look, if you have a revenue shortfall after cutting your budget before you turn off people's electricity... We're going to allow you to use the money that we've already given you, no new money, to help those cities. Um, I think it's a it's a reasonable middle ground. I am not sure that the Congress, the Republicans in Congress, are going to vote for any new money for anything. I'm not saying they won't, but I'm sure not saying they will. And I think that, that we ought to look at the $6 trillion dollars that we've already spent, and say, how can we spend it wisely with everybody um, uh, affecting shared sacrifice? All I know is we can't keep hear- spending endless amounts of their money. We'll run out of debt. And the only way to.
2: I hear you, and I, and we just got to give the American and, people a chance to save their
13: livelihoods, and, uh, and the we got to pick term, up the paces. The, pace. the long term answer, Burn, is. Is, is the to we, we we've got to get the economy back open, and I don't again, exactly. I believe that, that we can do it safely and soon. We've got to do everything we can to make people safe, but we've got to do everything we can to get the economy open again. The American people are, are, are smart enough to do it.
2: I hear you, Senator Kenny. Thanks so much, appreciate your perspective. We'll look forward to that bill, uh, giving states that flexibility. Thanks, my friend, Brian Kilmicho, you got it, sir. Uh, Senator John Kennedy, Louisiana. When we come back, Doug Brinkley talks about Sam Houston, the Alamo Avengers.
12: Living the Bream is a podcast hosted by Fox News Channel's Shannon Bream, sharing inspirational stories, personal anecdotes, and an insider's perspective on actions and rulings from the high court. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News.
1: Breaking news. Unique opinions. Hear it all on The Brian Kilmeade Show.
9: Kind
2: of exciting day. The paperback version of Sam Houston, the Alamo Avengers, came out. You guys were nice enough to keep it on the best-selling list for 12 weeks on a hardback. And I'm releasing it in the spring, uh, and now I had no idea no one did there would be in a pandemic. I'm not going on tour. I'm going to be able to talk about it tonight on KRMG. But go to BrianKilmeade.com, click on Events. I'll do a Zoom talk. Tonight, And anyone who gets a ticket will get, is getting a book. And I'll tell you what I added to the paperback, and that is uh, Houston's interaction with Lincoln and what Lincoln asked Houston to do and what he said. But in terms of the actual book, The Texas Revolution Outside Texas, you might not know it, but just know there is a bad guy, and it is Santa Ana, a brutal general who became president in that country who tried to destroy the, uh, the liberty and freedom that Texas was enjoying under his rule, under Spanish rule, by a deal that was cut by Moses Austin, father of Stephen F. Austin. So I talked with Douglas Brinkley, a great communicator, a wonderful historian, fantastic writer, about Santa Ana. And I just wanted him to put in perspective who this guy was.
14: Listen. Santa Ana saw that this was a fight for who owns Texas, and he thought it was an easy one. You just wipe them out there at the Alamo, outnumber them.
2: Complete victory. Complete it wasn't victory. just we have surrender. It was, we will kill everybody.
14: That is Santa Ana's philosophy. You're right. It's we kill everybody because he thought you make a big example out of the Alamo. If you want to rise up against Mexico, this is what will happen to you. Utter carnage, not a proper burial. Burn bodies like uh, piles of um, cordwood and and take no prisoners, no relief. Um, And it was a strategy to intimidate Texans to not dare try to rebel. And did it work? Backfired completely on Santa Ana. He did score his really quick victory, but the stories that trickled out of the Alamo of how he showed no mercy to anybody uh, and just how um, soldiers, including his own, were withering, wounded on the dust and ground, saying, put me out of relief, kill me, and Santa Ana just uh, showed a kind of cold-heartedness that is, is frightening. And so it, the word that spread out of the Alamo wasn't retreat. It was we've now all got to buckle down and do what we can to fight for right. Texas independence.
2: And maybe we should back up a little because early success in the fight for freedom really gave Texas a, a false sense of how easy it would be. Outnumbered. They asked for their cannons back in Concepcion. and They said, can we have the cannons? We need the cannons back. He goes, no, we're still going to need the cannons to protect ourselves against... Uh, the American Indians or whatever might be the challenge in the area. No, we'll take them. Then they say, "Come and get them," and they didn't. Outnumbered, this town, whole, a bunch of ragtag tough cowboys hold their own and win.
14: Absolutely. I mean, and so the big, the you know the thing is Santa Anna was, was full of puffery after the Alamo. I mean, he felt like right. a uh, uh, a peacock who just put another feather in his back, uh, and inst- and he misread. The victory. Uh, he just realized, uh, you know, the truth is the 200 uh, Americans in the Alamo and and others that were with the Americans, they the, the, they may have gotten slaughtered, but they killed more Mexicans than Americans. And Davy Crockett was a very serious person for Santa Ana to kill. He had become a folk legend. Some people think he was the original American Western hero. Uh, and he, the fact that, that Crockett Uh, was willing to risk his life for Texas independence, kind of uh, ricocheted all over the United States, and money and arms started coming into Texas, and people up east in the United States started pulling for Texas independence.
2: Yeah, it's amazing, too. So uh, for 13 days, uh, the Alamo, with 180 to 200 men, held off. And the reason why they had hope is because they thought help might be coming. They've been outnumbered before and had success against the Mexican Army, but they never really took on Santa Ana before So Travis knows 2,000 troops are coming, but he stays. Jim Bowie, with orders from Sam Houston to tell them to get out, once Bowie gets there, he looks around and goes, I like this place. It's fortified well. It's a good-looking group. I think I'll stay. Can you talk about that Texas attitude where they know what's coming, but they're going to fight?
14: absolutely and the hope for reinforcements was colonel fannin was supposed to come and if you go to houston today you'll see fannin street as a big street there he became a big hero Uh, but at this moment he started smelling that the alamo was a suicide mission so they didn't do the reinforcements of the alamo that they were hoping to get but Bowie and crockett and travis and the others decided we're going to dig in our heels and it's freedom or death that we are going to make our stand here and they had opportunities, some people to leave from the Alamo if they wanted to. But the men that stayed to fight knew that they were going against overwhelming odds. But that at line was nothing short of liberty. And it was like a second American revolution in their mind that we now were going to have to beat the, the um, dictatorial forces of Mexico.
2: So that's Doug Brinkley. I always love having him on. He also wrote that great book about uh, going to the moon, Moonshot. So listen, thanks so much for listening. If you want to be part of a Zoom call tonight, bryankilmead.com. Click on events, make your reservation. This way I can talk on Zoom. Usually I see you in person, but this time i got to do everything virtual like everybody else in this world. I hope you like it, hope you're a part of it, and hope you like Sam Houston, the Alamo Avengers. Thanks so much for listening to The Brian Kilmeade Show.
12: From the Fox News Podcasts Network.
15: My name is Kennedy and welcome to my podcast, which will I humbly say, single-handedly save the world. You're
12: welcome. It's Kennedy Saves the World. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com.
1: Live from the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox & Friends, it's America's receptive voice. Brian Kilmeade.
2: Thanks so much for uh, listening, everybody. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. There's a lot going on today. Anthony Fauci, the head of the CDC and FDA, will be in front of the Senate committee. Of course, majority, mostly Republicans, but Senator Schumer and company will be able to uh, really probe uh, the medical side. And guess what they're going to try to do? Not get answers, try to get gotcha answers that make President Trump look bad, which is just a colossal waste of time. I'm going to be talking to Governor Rick Perry about what's happening in Texas from the salon owner that's standing up to the impatience with other owners that are uh, pushing out Uh, and the diversity of Texas. I mean, there's a lot of places like Austin, Dallas that think we're going too fast as a country and them as a state, which is unbelievable to me. I can't believe that's Texas and how you provide leadership as a governor, how much money you should, how much uh, latitude you give mayors. As opposed to the president, and then we we'll talk to Colonel Al, Lieutenant Colonel Al West, about what's happening in Texas too. That's where he's located. He wants to be uh, chair of the GOP, and uh, uh, he's the personification of an American patriot, and tough guy. Uh, he's like me. Get back to work. Get proper precautions. Those with underlying conditions, who are seniors, uh, maybe take a little bit more time and provide any services they need. So we'll talk about all that. Also, kind of exciting. Uh, because I have the, this week we'll find out what's happening on a personal note with New York. We understand there are some counties that are going to open. I'll bring that front and center. Uh, Governor Cuomo has done a great job communicating, but the numbers look ter- just on numbers alone it's been terrible. Uh, on, in terms of a heads up, it's been awful. As he says, he doesn't do global pandemics, but he does do nursing homes, and you cannot say uh, that they handle that in any way, shape or form, competently to be nice. Let's get to the
1: big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three.
3: Number three. We have to put money in the pockets of the American people. To those who would suggest a pause, I'll say the hunger doesn't take a pause. The rent doesn't take a pause. The hardship doesn't take a pause.
2: Really? What were you doing? Pausing for all three other rescue packages, coming in late with ridiculous demands and then realize you're not going to get any of it and just delay, delay, delay? This is a woman who just spent the last week, two, and three in San Francisco while the Senate was hashing it out and while Republicans like Kevin McCarthy were working it out. Now she's saying we got to not delay and just spend another $2 trillion we don't have? Unbelievable. We're going to take a look at the partisanship on Capitol Hill and how we're all paying the price.
4: Number two.
5: It appears that the president had encouraged the Justice Department and the FBI not to tell Donald Trump about what they'd been looking into with regard to Flynn. We have some more to learn about what President Obama may have done and said about all this and whether he may have directed the whole thing.
2: Brett Hume looking into Trump versus Obama. Two fights loom. President Trump did what Trump, President Obama did to Trump on the way out the door in 2016 and how he plans to fight past Joe Biden to make sure Trump has shown the door in 2020. Newsflash. The president welcomes the fight, especially against him.
6: Number one. If you look at various other states, I won't get into them. The people want to go back. The numbers are getting to a point where they can. and There just seems to be no effort on certain blue states to get back into gear. Uh, there you go.
2: Uh, that is frustrating, opening up and pushing back. As many states ramp up, some stay locked down, and the pushback is powerful and pervasive. We're going to go across the country to look at the state of the comeback. And that's what I want to be talking about, the comeback. But in places like Virginia, Michigan, and Pennsylvania especially, there's a lot of frustration. That things are fine, the numbers are down in my county, in my region, but you're counting me or locking me down because of a major city like Manhattan hurting Long Island and upstate New York, like Philadelphia hurting rural and suburban Pennsylvania, like Richmond perhaps, in a way, not very much, but in a way hurting the rest of Virginia, northern Virginia hurting the rest of Virginia. To me, it's laziness at the top. For the president of the
6: United States, he sees politics, cut one. If you look at Pennsylvania as an example, Uh, If you look at various other states, I won't get into them. Uh, The people want to go back. The numbers are getting to a point where they can. and There just seems to be no effort on certain uh, blue states to get back into gear. And the people aren't going to stand for it. They want to get back. They're not going to stand for it. They want our country open. I want our country open, too. I want it open safely, but I want it open.
2: In Pennsylvania in particular, they got 10 counties in the state's Susquehanna Valley that have either announced a date to reopen or demanded Wolf lift the orders, while district attorneys and sheriffs from several counties have said they will not prosecute or enforce the restrictions that the mayors put on there on businesses or anything else. And I I don't usually support people going against laws, but these are man-made laws by flawed human beings like the Pennsylvania governor who is taking it personal, that others are taking it personal, that their lives are being destroyed. I'll give you an example. In New York, if you keep gyms closed, Mr. Governor, uh, for another month, you'll have no more gyms. All those businesses, all those instructors, all those owners, all those buildings, all those landlords will not have tenants. It's not going to happen. So suck it up. Let these set up regulations to allow these gyms to open in some type of responsible way. It's not okay just to wait on the sidelines. But for Governor Tom Wolfe, uh, he takes this personal and he's going after those who are not buying his whole shutdown plan. Here is uh, the governor
7: of Pennsylvania uh, weighing in. To those politicians who decide to cave into this coronavirus, they need to understand the consequences of their cowardly act. Still, over this past weekend, some have decided to, to surrender to this enemy. These are politicians who were elected to serve their fellow citizens. Others are business owners who have chosen to serve their customers by putting them in harm's way. These folks are choosing to desert in the face of the enemy, in the middle of a war that we Pennsylvanians are winning and that we must win.
2: Do you guys have McConnell? Well, we'll see. I mean, we'll see uh, about must win. I don't think cowardly is opening up a business responsibly. I think it takes guts to say, my kids want to go to college? I put my life into this. On average, small businesses have 27 days worth of uh, revenue left over. They pretty much live paycheck to paycheck. And then uh, along the way, they want to stay in business, and they're, they understand there's going to be recessions, and they understand there's going to be time of, uh, and they were able to react to it. We understand there's going to be different leadership, different parties in charge, which usually mean different things. But in a pandemic, once in a lifetime or once in two lifetimes, and then to see this reaction. On one hand, you got the governor of Florida, got 19 deaths, big pop, bigger population in Pennsylvania, bigger senior population. Are they wrong? Is he a coward for opening up his state? Are people cowards for opening up their business? Is that cowardly? Next, President Obama weighs in on the pandemic response. He says it's been chaotic and disjointed, and in my words, but just to characterize what he said, and weirdly, oddly, selfish. I don't even get it. When Mitch McConnell was asked that on Larry Trump's fundraiser last night, this is what he said.
16: I think President Obama um, should have kept his mouth shut. You know, um, we know he doesn't like much this administration is doing. That's understandable. But I think it's a little bit classless, frankly, to uh, critique an administration that comes after you. You had your shot. You were there for eight years. Um, I think the, the tradition that the Bushes set up of not critiquing the president who comes after you is a good tradition.
2: I love that. And, I, you know, I didn't love when President Obama spent the first four or five years criticizing President Bush. I don't love when I don't love when President Trump criticized Barack Obama unnecessarily. There's times when he got to weigh in, when he's weighing in on you, and Biden's teeing off on you. Say, okay, let's do a comparison. I don't love it. I, I think it it just feeds a crassness in our country. But Barack Obama is basically running for president. You want an example? I've said this all along. This is Trump against this is Trump against uh, Obama. It is not Trump against Biden. And I was case in point last night. Joe Biden campaign, released this ad, talking about the different responses from them, H1N1, as opposed to uh, uh, this one with President Trump. Tell me if you could hear President Obama, uh, Vice President Biden in this. Cut six. Good afternoon, everybody.
16: We have to put in place an infrastructure that allows us to see it quickly, isolate it quickly, respond to it quickly. It is a smart investment. For us to
17: make. President Trump's proposed budget plan could threaten America's ability to fight health threats.
2: Uh, that's just a little bit of it. Joe Biden walks in it, he stands there, doesn't say anything. It is all President Obama. President Obama wants people to think that he's going to be president again. Now, the downside of that is the Republicans really didn't like President Obama, and the Republicans and independents re- are reminded of how polarized it was under him. And to say the president's selfish, I don't even get it. I don't even understand that as a legitimate critique. But keep in mind, when you talk about the H1N1 virus and the response, Ron Klein, the chief of staff of, uh, under Joe Biden, and says they were in charge of that response, he said they got lucky. Joe Biden, when he was interviewed, once in charge on a morning show, Said, yeah, this is dangerous. I wouldn't get on a plane. If he sneeze on a plane, it goes all around uh, and gets everybody sick. It destroyed the airline industry. They had to quick backpedal and have a press conference in the afternoon. That's Joe Biden, who could be in the Oval Office. He's winning in most battleground states. Donald Trump has got some work to do. But good news for him, he's got an opponent that uh, has, a, uh, has a chin that's out there. And the solar plexus, it's vulnerable. When we come back, Colonel Allen West.
1: Don't go anywhere. Brian Kilmeade will be right back. From the Fox News Podcasts Network,
12: download and listen to The Untold Story with Martha McCallum. The host of The Story on Fox News Channel sits down with major newsmakers each week to get their untold story. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com.
1: He's so busy, he'll make your head spin. It's Brian Kilmeade.
15: The government has uncovered evidence that was withheld from the defense that completely destroys the government's theory of the case and their narrative on it and shows that Mr. Van Grack and the career government prosecutors in the U.S. Attorney's Office who've been assigned to this case, as well as Ms. Ahmad, who was on special counsel, have been lying to the court the entire time about withholding exculpatory evidence. That's just
2: little of a little of a case that it's easy to get caught up in the weeds. Just know this. The three-star general was uh, wrongly accused of lying, cut a deal for financial reasons and possibly to protect his son, had his career ruined, financially ruined, and now the comeback begins, and people are pushing back and want to disbar the attorney general. Uh, here to make sense of it all, Lieutenant Colonel Allen West, senior fellow at the Media Research Center. He's also with the NRA. He's also a former congressman from Florida. And he's running to be the texas g o p uh chair hey uh colonel is justice on the en route to being done here?
16: I think justice is en route to being done. I think that this is something that many people suspected all along, and now we have it out into the open and I think is very. Uh, really is truly despicable that you have you know President Barack Obama who will come out and say something to the contrary that uh, justice is uh, is suffering because of this. you know this quote unquote scoundrel free Obama administration we know that is not the case, and I think he has to be concerned that maybe this could be traced all the way back up to his oval Office. But to think of the fact that you have a man that served over 30 years uh, in uniform service for the United States of America to be targeted uh, such as he was, to have exculpatory evidence withheld, and to you know have people seek to destroy him and his career and his life, that is uh, something that's unconscionable. And no one would have ever thought that this would happen in the United States of America. If this was East Germany, sure, but not the United States of America.
2: It is. It's uh, it's happening, but hopefully the justice being done. Meanwhile, um, 2000 justices have come forward and said uh, that they are against this move uh, by uh, by the attorney general. How do you how do you explain that?
16: Well, I don't understand why these justices would come against the attorney general when we know all of this proof that is there. Uh, I think we're getting to a point where people are no longer interpreting and upholding the law. I think that we are starting to see more partisanship and more activist uh, judicial uh, decision-making that is happening in the United States of America. If you were to flip the coin and this were the Bush administration and Someone was going after uh, an individual from you know, the other political party. There would be, like General Wesley Clark, let's say this was happening against General Wesley Clark, they would be livid about this. So I think that the hypocrisy continues to be evident to the American people, such as the hypocrisy of how the Me Too movement is being very quiet about Joe Biden, but yet they were absolutely livid over Brett Kavanaugh.
2: So I want to ask you about uh, the shooting that took place in Georgia, uh, Ahmad Arbery, a uh, jogger mm-hmm. seemingly gunned down by uh father's son while another guy taped it. There's a lot of questions in and around this. But as an African-American uh, who also, as you write in your column, who also loves to run, what are your thoughts on this as the country gradually gets angry and angry at this case?
16: Well, first and foremost, let's put aside all of the, the race stuff. I don't care if, you know, the the young man was black, white, Hispanic, Asian, whatever. I don't care about, you know, the shooters. No one should be, you know, tr- trace trailed down and, and then shot unnecessarily. Here was an unarmed young man. I don't care about whether or not he was going through a, a construction site of a house or what have you. No one should be able to, should be in fear of their lives just, you know, out uh, going for a jog or just going for a walk or anything along the slides. And no one should believe that they can take, you know, the law into their hands, as it seems these individuals did, by uh, trailing him, you know, confronting him, and then shooting him uh, with with a shotgun. So if there was something that needed to be reported, then you get on the phone, you call 911 and report it, but you don't take matters into your own hands. And you're right. I have, you know, been running since, you know, my South more year and in, in, in high school I have been running you know in various you know trails and, and everywhere and early in the morning late at night no one should be in fear for their lives when they're out running
2: when people uh, you know when, when people are saying oh my goodness this happened in Georgia and it's been months and nothing has happened to date until this video emerged what are your thoughts
16: that, to me, is very disconcerting. The fact that you had the two prosecutors there in Glen County, which is Brunswick, Georgia, uh, recuse themselves from this. Uh, and you, like you said, it sat uh, latent for two months. So we should not have this. I mean, if someone is, loses their life, it should be an investigation and we should get to. The, the bottom of that. And we should get all of the evidence that is out there to make sure that if their charges should be brought forth, as we see now, the charges have been brought forth there uh, and without bail. Uh, I think that we are going to see justice being done.
2: Got Governor Rick Perry next, so I'm going to go heavily into Texas, but real uh, real quick, Congressman, I'm just wondering what you thought, what you thought about early on, the numbers slightly ticking up in Texas as things are loosening up. <laughs>
16: Well, again, you know, the numbers ticking up, that means we have more cases. That means that you have people that are getting a virus where you know that it has a 99.6% recovery rate. Uh, we've got to make sure that we protect the most vulnerable, and those are our seniors. We have to protect the people that have these underlying medical conditions, such as hypertension, COPD, type 2 diabetes, heart disease, obesity. But if we are going to try to protect the health of every single person here in the state of Texas, that's not what government is about. is supposed to protect our rights. Yeah,
2: yeah go is uh, West for Texas. That's four the number four, Texas.com to support Colonel Allen West. Thanks so much, Colonel.
12: From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Ben Domenech, publisher of The Federalist, and I'm inviting you to join a new conversation with the smartest thinkers out there about the country and where we're going. Subscribe to the Ben Domenech Podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to FoxNewsPodcasts.com.
1: Information you want. Truth you demand. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show.
15: The Trump administration's response to this public health emergency so far has been a disaster all on its own. Delays, missteps have put us way behind where we need to be on diagnostic tests and allowed inaccurate antibody tests to flood the market. The fact of the matter is President Trump has been more focused on fighting against the truth than fighting this virus. And Americans have sadly paid the price.
2: Senator Senator Patty Murray of Washington, it's amazing. The president did flood assets there, and that's where it all started. um, And now they are basically stood up. But Senator Patty Murray, play in politics, or she sincerely feels that? We'll have to do a a uh, lie detector test on her. Joining us right now is a former, longtime governor of Texas, uh, Rick Perry, former Secretary of Energy under the president, the same Rick Perry. Uh, Mr. Secretary, Governor, welcome back.
18: Good to be with you, Brian. Thank you, sir.
2: So I know you're a Republican. She's a Democrat, but is she right? Is she says it's mm-hmm. been a bad, uh, it's been a bad reaction, and the president is trying to fight back against the truth?
18: No. Um, you know the sadness of this is. When we faced Ebola in Texas, um, by and large, I don't remember a Democrat standing up and attacking us for attempting to address a very novel uh, virus that had shown up in in America for the first time. We worked together. We addressed this. Uh, I, I really wish that the Democrats would put aside the nonsense of this partisan attack of this president and work together with the president, this is about people's lives. And the idea that you stand uh, and and point fingers at at this moment in time, Brian, is beyond me uh, as a citizen of the United States. This would be like uh, the Democrats standing on the sidelines on the sixth day of June going, well, you know, you've made a huge mistake over here, and you're going to cost the lives of these. I mean, that is nonsense. We are in a effort to save people's lives, to get this economy back going, to impact the world in a positive way. And what I'm seeing are people on the other side of this political aisle not being a part of the solution, but quite frankly, being a part of the, of the problem. So I would ask, with, you know, with all honesty, come and help, be a part of finding a solution. Rather than standing on the sidelines and and throwing rhetoric out for no other reason than to you know I guess stoke your partisan followers that are back there somewhere
2: nonsense. So uh, Governor uh, Perry, as you know, Texas is opening up a little by little, uh, and so far you've had thirty nine thousand eight hundred sixty nine cases, up a thousand from yesterday. Deaths uh, eleven hundred. Up 12. uh, What do those numbers tell you? And if you are additionally at risk, is the risk at this point worth it? Well, I
18: would suggest to you you've always got a risk reward that that you have to deal with. Uh, I would get the economy back going because that's what's not being talked about from my perspective. Uh, Do we have enough effort going on uh, at the FDA from the standpoint of finding a vaccine? I will suggest that we could. You know, move that up uh, to a, a faster pace. Uh, do we have enough effort going on to address the, uh, the testing? You know, you can always do better. I don't have a problem with that. And as a matter of fact, I would push the envelope. I would advise the president to push the envelope in every way that he can. The, the way we used to do business from the standpoint of, well, we've got to run these mini tests and we've got to do this much uh, clinical trial. I would push that envelope, and I would push that envelope hard because you're literally talking about people's lives. But circling back to the issue of, you know, is, uh, is opening up the economy, uh, can, can you put that in juxtaposition with the number of lives that are going to be lost? And I, and I will suggest to you that that is part of the balance that you have to – I mean, we're not going to spend the rest of our lives uh, in our in our rooms with mask on, not having contact with our fellow citizens, because that's that's an end of the world scenario that I don't think anybody wants to see. I think they are making some good progress. I'm headed to I'm headed to West Texas this Friday. I'm headed to the Gage Hotel uh, to help celebrate the opening up of, of a great hotel out there in the White Buffalo, um, uh, the White Buffalo Bar. As a matter of fact, I called Ted Nugent. Uh, yesterday, and I told him, I said, "Hey, Uncle Ted, I'm going out to celebrate the Great White Buffalo in uh, Marathon, Texas," and he's, <laughs> he "He's gonna he's gonna help celebrate it with me by uh, playing a little bit of the Great White Buffalo uh, song that he did back through the years." So, but my point is, we got to get back out, get to work, and and yes, we're gonna have deaths. We're gonna have deaths from um, a, a lot of different reasons, but. Finding a vaccine, finding the protections, uh, we need to be working on that. And that's where our Democrat friends could be helping instead of standing on the sidelines and just throwing invectives at the president.
2: Shelly Luther, as you know, is a salon owner that said it's not okay to leave my business closed down. I need to open up. I need to make a living. I need to pay my rent. I need to pay my employees. And she did it. When they served her notice, she ripped it up. When they brought her to court, they said, apologize, you go to jail and pay the fine. She said, I will not apologize, respectively, and I will not pay the fine. She went to jail. The governor has since got her out. Here she is yesterday talking about the negative media Since she actually served her time and got out of prison and with a GoFundMe page that she did not put out, it's got $500,000. Cut 14.
0: A lot of them think that the money was a scam, uh, the GoFundMe account. Look, I went into jail with $20,000 of legal funds that um, someone I didn't even know started for me. Um, I was in jail two days, woke up, there was a half a million dollars in there. I had nothing to do with it. Um, Not that I'm not grateful and I want to plan great things with that. I've got my brand new uh, charitable organization coming up called Courage to Stand. And we just put up our website, And I'm so, so excited to share that money and share um, my voice for people that are too scared to stand up themselves.
2: You're a governor. When you put rules out there, uh, you want people to pay attention. Uh, But where do you side on this?
18: Yeah, I, I listen, I, I think she <laughs> she's a current a current day Rosa Parks in my opinion. <laughs> you know, that may that may stir some people up, but what what would people have said about Rosa Parks if we had social media? Uh, I mean, there there would have been all kinds of craziness out there uh, with with social media. And and I will say Brian, I think that is what is driving so much of what we see today. Uh, a a mainstream media that really hates the president and 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 willing to say just about anything to try to defeat him, uh, and 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 a social media that drives that as well. Uh, I think this hairdresser uh, is a is a, a heroine. I think her standing up and saying, you know, um, to that um, uh, to that judge, judge, send me to jail, but. I'm going to do this because I believe in it so strongly.
13: And,
18: you know, that's the rule of law. And the, and the fact of the matter is the judge says, well, this, I've got to do what i got to do. And she did what she had to do, and the governor did what he did. And I celebrated for that. Thank you, Governor, for standing up and saying, you know, this is nonsense. This, This is, you know— common sense is in such short supply from time to time. Yes, we go past laws. I did it for 35-plus years as a state representative and, and, and working in Austin as the governor, and we pass a lot of law. And what we find from time to time is there are unintended consequences. Well, guess what? Here was one, and we're seeing it. We're living in a really strange world right now. And let's have some common sense come into place right put your partisanship in your back pocket for a little bit. let's help America get back to work get back to uh, to to living a normal life to saving lives and stop the partisan bickering and nonsense that we're seeing way too often on our news channels and 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 in our in our programming every day all
2: right uh Governor. Uh, Mr. Secretary, thanks so much. Appreciate you being with us. Thanks so much for helping me out with Sam Houston, the Alamo Avengers. You're great on it. And you're on a piece now that aired today.
18: Oh, I can't wait to see it. It's a great uh, bit of work that you did there. And uh, in my opinion, one of the great patriots of American history in Sam Houston.
2: I agree, and no one knows, a few know more about it uh, than you. You really humanized a man that's bigger than life, whose statue is the biggest I've ever seen in America. It's almost (laughs) as big as the Statue of Liberty in Texas. Uh, Rick Perry, (laughs) thank you. Well,
18: it is. It's exactly what it is. All right, God bless you, Brian. Take care. Look forward to seeing you
2: again. All right. All right. Uh, Yeah, we're special out on Fox Nation. We come back, Varney and company. Well, we'll do a simulcast, then I'll take your calls. Brian Kilmeade
1: Show. Giving you everything you need to know. It's Brian Kilmeade. It's the Hammer Time
12: Podcast. Fox News Channel's Bill Hammer takes you one-on-one with engaging personalities covering the critical issues of the day. Find Hammer Time now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America is listening to Fox
1: News. Now, the Brian Kilmeade Show joins Fox Business's Varney & Company with Stuart Varney. Live on your radio and on Fox Business, here's Brian Kilmeade.
2: Welcome back, everybody. 1 408 7669. I'm going to do a five minute hit with Stuart. Then I'll be able to take some calls for you guys before the end of the hour. Kind of exciting. Uh, you got Sam Houston, the Alamo Avengers, out on paperback today with brand new material. Uh, it's cheaper, bendable. Uh, word is, everyone's reading during the pandemic. They just can't go to bookstores in most states. So hopefully you can order at Barnes & Noble. Or go to briankilme.com. It goes to my local bookstore. I'm able to walk in the back. I won't tell you exactly where because I want to get them in trouble. And I'm able to sign and personalize. So you can do that. Tonight at 8 o'clock Eastern time, uh, 7 o'clock local time there in Tulsa, KRMG is doing a great job. They're sponsoring a virtual book signing event for me. So I hope all of you can be there. Uh, go to bryankilmeade.com slash events, Just click on events. You'll see it up there. Just uh, go ahead and make your reservation, uh, get a book, and then we can talk. Uh, we've all done a Zoom, I think. So, on, on, except Joe Biden, who tried to do a fundraiser.
11: Well, let's listen to in time. That means it's time to join Brian Kilmeade. He is the host of the Brian Kilmeade Show. All right, uh, uh, see if you can sort this out for me, Brian. I know you're fired up here. The Wall Street Journal says the intelligence chief has declassified the names of Obama officials who unmasked Michael Flynn. Explain what that means, please.
2: Well, what it means is Michael Flynn's the incoming national security advisor, and when he talks to uh, the ambassador from Russia or the United Arab Emirates or from Mexico, uh, you can listen to the, the ambassador, you can't listen to the American. Unless, of course, uh, there's an unmasking done by a sitting administration to find out who that is. And then you wonder why. Why is everyone listening? or about to get those additional names to what the incoming National Security Advisor is about. And by the way, who else were you listening to? Rick Grinnell, the acting director of the National Intelligence, who's also still the ambassador to Germany, went in there uh, and just turned the, uh, flipped the table over and is deciding to get to the bottom of all this after three and a half years to find out if the administration that called it quits in 2016 right. – was trying to make sure the Trump administration was hamstrung for the next four years.
11: Yeah, it certainly looks that way. It looks like it went all the way to the top. but It looks that way. Got to say that. But the big point to me here is Joe Biden was in that meeting in the White House. Yes. When all this was revealed, he was there. Now, where does that leave him? What did he know about this? uh, The General Flynn affair, because that set off the whole Russia, Russia, Russia fiasco. Absolutely. So think about this. If Joe Biden says I was hands on every step of the way, after
2: all, I handled the H1N1 and I handled the Ukrainian policy and I was the liaison to the government. Fine. That's good to show you're ready to be president. Now, tell me that the role you played in investigating the incoming Trump administration. Uh, I don't know. It beats me. I really didn't do anything. I knew about it. I wasn't even asked to do anything. Isn't that convenient? At first, he asked George George Stephanopoulos, and he said, no, I had nothing to do with that. Then he said, weren't you in the room? Because George Stephanopoulos knows the answer to all those Democratic questions ahead of time. And he said, oh, yeah, I was there. I don't, you know, I didn't really do anything. So I think this is going to be important, not only to look back at what happened, but Joe Biden technically is the opponent for uh, President Trump. So let's look at what that opponent did in office. By the way, on the H1N1 thing, which ended up good for the administration, Ron Klain, the chief of staff for Joe Biden, who ran this operation, said, we did good, but it was nothing we did. We got lucky. So Joe Biden had one opportunity to defend his pandemic response. He hopped on a morning show and told everyone not to fly because if you sneeze, those germs go through the fuselage. You're all going to get sick. He destroyed the airline industry for about six hours. So that's Joe Biden in times of crisis. Do you Which is think it's important de- uh, de- deception
11: Look his problems are mounting left right and center whether it's the Flynn affair whether it's his son and uh, China and Ukraine uh, and the sexual assault allegation and the problems with choosing a vice president Look I'll go out on a limb and in my opinion it's 50-50 as to whether or not Joe Biden is indeed the candidate in November Where do you stand
2: I stand this He is going to be the candidate because of the pandemic. He doesn't have to go out and and really uh, underachieve for the next six months. He's really going to get there in August. You know who's going to be running for president? Barack Obama. And you saw in the ad they rolled out today about the H1N1 response as opposed to to this response. It's all Barack Obama. He's basically going to do it because his legacy is at stake. And I'm going to factor in something else. Uh, I do actually think that Joe Biden is winning in most battleground states and on the national poll. Everything you said today is correct, Stuart. But still, there's something out there that people are still pulling for Joe Biden. It's up to Trump to find out what that is. Well, wait a
11: minute. I haven't seen any enthusiasm. Have you seen a single lawn sign? Have you seen a single bumper sticker anywhere? I haven't.
2: No. But you know what you could be? Anti-Trump is Joe Biden. If you don't like the president, you like Joe Biden. If you're a Republican that never got on board, you like Joe Biden. So Donald Trump's side will be one. Donald Trump's election will be won or lost on the pandemic response and how quick the economy stands up. And we all know when the president wants to know how the economy's doing, it's one eight hundred Stewart Varney, Varney and Company. Every day, this Thank is you. the pulse of the people right here.
11: Yes, well said, Oh, Brian. You're all right, man. you right. I love your radio show too, and that book, fantastic, Brian Kilmeade. Thank you. <laughs> See you again soon. Thanks.
2: Go get him, Stewart. One eight two six four zero eight. Uh, 7669, just on with Stewart's Stewart's phone. He's got just a great show on FBN because, for me, I'm not a business guru, but I get the business, but then I get as it relates to me. Uh, That's what I seem to uh, like about it most. And at the number, let's go to the phones right now. Let's go out to WABC. Uh, Jane is there listening in Wall, New Jersey. Hey, Jane.
0: Hey, Brian. How you doing?
2: Good. How are you doing in New Jersey? Locked down?
0: Yeah, it's not too bad. It's not too bad. I, I don't understand how they can, uh, they can have the food stores uh, crammed, but you can't go anywhere else. It doesn't make any sense to me. Absolutely. Like, if you, like these, these small stores that sell appliances or something, they keep them closed, but yet you can go to Lowe's and Home Depot and you can buy appliances and do everything else you want to do. But I just wanted to say that, um two points real quick. I think if there's no indictments or prosecutions based on all the evidence that's coming out now, I think there's going to be an eroding of... of confidence in the Justice Department, in our justice system, and people are going to become so desensitized to people who are breaking the law, they're going to say, oh, well, it's just another politician. That's what politicians do. And I can't understand how Schiff isn't being held responsible for lying. And one other point I want to make quickly is no one is talking about the congressional races. And if we don't take, the Republicans don't take back the House, We're going to have four more years of this nonsense of investigations, and it's just going to be very difficult. And and
2: let's, exactly, they got to hold the Senate Republicans, and Donald Trump's got to win again, too, let alone take the House. Uh, Jane, thanks so much. Hang in there in New Jersey.
12: With Fox News Podcasts Plus, you can enjoy all your favorite Fox News Podcasts without commercials. Subscribe now at foxnewspodcasts.com.
1: Live from the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice, Brian Kilmeade. Hey,
2: thanks so much for listening, everybody. It's Brian Kilmeade Show, uh, giving you up to date on what's happening around the country and around the world. Uh, Everybody's fighting this uh, pandemic. We know that. There's a surge of cases, by the way, in South Korea, as well as China. Of course, we never get the whole story there. And uh, the is flat on its back, uh, so I wouldn't kid you. They were mocking us a couple of weeks ago, not so much anymore. Meanwhile, China is trying to intimidate everybody. The latest one is New Zealand, because New Zealand said, I think that Taiwan belongs uh, on, the, uh, on the WHO, the World Health Organization. So they said, you better not ever say that again. Australia said, we want an investigation. They said, well, how would you like not to trade with us? And they don't give. But guess who is giving? The European Union. They changed their harsh criticism of China's inaction uh, or at least transparency during the whole Wuhan virus, and uh, they knuckled. Uh, we're not going to knuckle. We need to let these other countries know we got their back. This hour, we're going to be joined by Congressman Steve Scalise and Chris Starwalt. On Capitol Hill today, the Senate side, um, the head of the FDA, the head of the CDC, Anthony Fauci, uh, heads up the task force, are all taking questions from senators remotely. They have to quarantine because they were in contact with some aides in the White House that tested positive for the coronavirus. They all look great. They're all not uh, positive for anything. Uh, Meanwhile, what a contentious scene yesterday.
3: So let's get to the big three.
1: Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three.
3: Number three. We have to put money in the pockets of the American people. To those who would suggest a pause, I'll say the hunger doesn't take a pause. The rent doesn't take a pause. The hardship doesn't take a pause.
2: Really? Now my heart bleeds for her. While she delayed the impeachment, while she delayed the first round, the second round of the CARES Act, while she screwed up and delayed and lobbied for things that she wanted in the last CARES Act, now she's in a rush. Nancy Pelosi. I digress. Rescue for Pelosi is back demanding trillions. We don't have a rescue plan, and the Republicans won't sign one. We're going to look at the latest partisanship Capitol Hill battle. Number
5: two. It appears that the president had encouraged the Justice Department and the FBI not to tell Donald Trump about what they'd been looking into with regard to Flynn. We have some more to learn about what President Obama may have done and said about all this and whether he may have directed the whole thing.
2: Wow. Trump versus Biden. Two fights loom. Uh, Biden, I should say Obama, what Obama did to Trump on the way out the door in 2016 and how he plans to fight past Biden and make sure Trump is shown the door at the end of 2020. Newsflash, the president welcomes the fight.
6: Number one. If you look at various other states, I won't get into them. Uh, The people want to go back. The numbers are getting to a point where they can. and There just seems to be no effort on certain uh, blue states to get back into gear. Opening up and pushing back. As many
2: states ramp up, some state are locked down. As the pushback is powerful and, the pervasive, and pervasive, we go across the country to look at the state of the comeback. And then I'll talk to Congressman uh, Scalise about that. State of the comeback is pretty significant. I mean, you have uh, Georgia so far having a lot of success. Texas and Florida having a lot of success. In terms of what's going to be opening up. Well, a lot's going to be opening up in New York, we understand. The Finger Lakes, the Southern Tier, and the Mohawk Valley will be ready to open up May 15th. That's Friday. Infection deaths and new hospitalizations in the city are low enough to do that. Uh, to open regions, have 30% of the, uh, to open up. Here's what New York said. You need 30% of the ICU open, hospital beds free, 2,250 contact tracers. Currently only 25% of hospital beds and 22% of ICU beds are free. The first phase of reopening is manufacturing, construction, then retail, professional services, later on restaurants, bars, and entertainment. I'm not sure where gyms fit in. I believe that should be in phase one. Uh, he will not give a time frame for the phase reopening. Schools remain closed. Obviously, it doesn't matter. They just got to open up September. There are 161 new deaths across the state, which is sad, but it is unbelievably low. Uh, we've already lost a lot of people in New York, 21,000 overall. But a lot of people are wondering what's happening. We can understand Manhattan, but what about the rest of New York? You can understand that maybe you have some challenges in Philadelphia, but what about the rest of Pennsylvania? Now, I get the sense that Pennsylvania is unnecessarily being locked down, and so does the president. He's taken a look at a lot of this, and he's wondering if politics
6: is playing a role. Cut one. If you look at Pennsylvania as an example... Uh, if you look at various other states, I'm, I won't get into them. Uh, the people want to go back. The numbers are getting to a point where they can. and There just seems to be no effort on certain uh, blue states to get back into gear. And the people aren't going to stand for it. They want to get back. They're not going to stand for it. They want our country open. I want our country open, too. I want it open safely, but I want it open.
2: And by the way, they're all linked: Rhode Island, Delaware, New York, New Jersey, uh, Massachusetts, Connecticut are all linked. So the governor's really angry. He fires back. But ten counties in the state's valley, Susquehanna Valley, have either announced the date to reopen or demanded Wolf lift the orders. Uh, the attorneys, district attorneys, and sheriffs say they will not enforce this if stores want to start opening. These guys have to understand there's a price to be paid for just watching your life fall apart. Economic strife is uh, something that will sober you up. Americans like to fight their way out of trouble. Sitting at home is not fighting. It's just the opposite. California's governor tells uh, the, uh, tells these counties they can't reopen after more than 2,000 people attended a rodeo in defiance of a stay-at-home order. So now Governor Newsom has informed this California county of Shasta County uh, that they're going to be punished because they attended the Cottonwood Rodeo. Many attendees sat close to one another. How dare they? Look, I think when you do stuff like this, it hurts everybody. When you show up at a restaurant in Colorado, it hurts everybody. But show everybody you can be responsible. You go to the beach, you do your thing, while still acknowledging we're in a fight here. But understanding, to fight, we actually have to fight, not sit at home and hope for the best. So in New York situation, everybody knows how... Hard that fight has been along the way. The president's been there during the times of crisis. I guess in one way, New York overprepared, overcompensated for it. Uh, Governor Cuomo did weigh in yesterday uh, about what it's going to take to reopen his state. And I'm just very curious to see if that's something that's going to be done quickly or not, because we're going to get the answers on Friday. He also saw the blowback California's gotten, Michigan's gotten, and, it's, uh, and now Pennsylvania has gotten. And you have to wonder if he is, I don't know, uh, really stirring for that fight because he also wants trillions of dollars from billions of dollars from the government. And if he defies uh, the president, I think that could play a role in this. one Will there be a Rescue 4 package? That's very interesting. Kevin McCarthy weighed in. Cut 39. And now she wants to write a bill private. not you a- any And now she wants to write a bill privately, not allow Congress back into the Capitol. You go to Starbucks and get a tea. You go over to the Senate and see them working, but not the Capitol, not not the House. Why? Because Nancy wants to write this in private
6: and try to put it on the floor and change 200 years of history on how people vote for the bill, just so she could have 200 votes in her pocket by a proxy
2: and pass something that never had one hearing, never had any input, and has no accountability. Um, by the way, so they want $1 trillion in state and local aid, $100 billion in rent and mortgage assistance, 2,000-month uh, cash payments for most Americans. So 2000 a month for everybody. We don't have this money. Hundreds of billions to replenish PPP and unemployment, expand broadband in rural communities, $25 billion for postal service, $4 million for the all-mail balloting, 15% for an increase for SNAP. The kids aren't in school. So, uh, amazing to me. They just uh, just jam their other things into this. Uh, real quick, as we go to break, I want to hear Anthony Fauci. He was just talking. He's talking now in front of the Senate committee. And uh, here's what he says is his biggest concern. And when we come back, I'll bring it up with Steve Scalise, the last it's my, one.
12: is my concern that
19: if some areas, cities, states, or what have you, jump over those various checkpoints and prematurely open up Without having the capability of being able to respond effectively and efficiently, my concern is that we will start to see little spikes that might turn into outbreaks. So therefore, I have been being very clear in my message to try to the best extent possible to go by the guidelines, which have been very well thought out and very
12: well delineated.
1: It's Brian Kilmeade. From the Fox
12: News Podcasts Network. Download and listen to The One with Craig Gutfeld, the co-host of The Five, like you've never heard him before. You know him, you love him, you want to be like him. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com.
1: From his mouth to your ears, it's Brian Kilmeade.
15: Families across the country are counting on us for the truth. About the COVID 19 pandemic, especially since it is clear they will not get it from President Trump. Truth is essential so people have the facts so they can make decisions for themselves and their families and their communities. Lives are at stake. If the president isn't telling the truth, we must.
2: Well, that is uh, Senator Patty Murray just moments ago talking about, uh, obviously. How let down the administration has to her. How does Congressman Steve Scalise feel about that? House Majority Whip, Congressman, welcome back. On the Senate side, they're actually working. On the House side, uh, Nancy Pelosi just got into town. So, what is your take on what Perry Murray just said?
19: Well, Brian, you've seen Democrats, especially you know some of the most liberal and socialist members in, in Washington, attacking the president every day throughout this. Uh, you know, and this, this, of course, went before COVID 19. Uh, every day they wake up and say, How can we go and attack Donald Trump and and try to impede his ability to do his job? And, and he hasn't been deterred. He continues going out there and not only uh, pushing to get uh, cures for this uh, vaccine, uh, possible vaccines for COVID 19, but pushing states to, to safely reopen. And I know my state is going to start reopening in phase one on Friday. I think we have about 36 states that have decided. To move forward and start opening their economy again and and we've got to start getting back to work and showing how you can safely do it Uh, Congress ought to be leading the way Uh, Nancy Pelosi shouldn't be the last one back when when Senators can be in session Uh, we should be in session as well holding China accountable helping families get back on their feet and helping businesses safely reopen
9: where
2: is Louisiana at with the reopening is it at a pace which you're comfortable
19: uh, the governor just announced yesterday that we will interphase one on Friday, meaning, of course, your your normal retail establishments can start letting people in at a 25 percent occupancy. And, uh, you know, look, I, I've been pushing uh, for all states to start opening safely in their protocols to do it. The states that have started to safely reopen are seeing success and people coming out and, you know, waiting an hour and a half to get their hair cut and going to their— favorite restaurants again. And, you know, it's going to be a slow process, but you have to start that process and show how it can be done safely, which it can. Uh, but for those states that are lagging behind, Brian, it's only going to get worse for them because, you know, there there is no a big state bailout for all these states, especially these states that had multi-billion dollar deficits prior to COVID-19. And they're thinking that the feds are going to bail out their problems. Uh, well, we've got to be focused on helping families get back on their feet and and helping these small businesses that are hanging on by a thread uh, to to make it through this. And and we've seen already that a number of them aren't going to make it through the longer some of these states wait to reopen. And look at Tesla announcing that they're going to move their uh, company's production facilities because California won't reopen. I mean, you know, people have shown how you can safely reopen. And for those that don't want to do it, they're going to get further left behind.
2: And Congressman, they're opening up anyway. And he said if anyone's going to be arrested... Elon Musk said, uh, rest me. So he, he's making his, his guys want to come back. Alameda County wanted him to come back. The governor said no. He's coming back anyway. We watch what happened in Texas. A lot of people are fed up. Twelve counties in Pennsylvania are pushing back. We have to find a way to work our way out of this. But the other question is, President Trump and a Phase 4 or Rescue 4 package, he was asked that yesterday, cut thirty six.
16: Mr. President, what are your thoughts about a second round of direct payments to Americans that's included in the, uh, the House Democratic bill?
6: Well, we're talking about that with a lot of different people. I want to see a payroll tax cut. I want to see various things that we want. I want uh, the workers to be taken care of. But we are talking about that. We're negotiating with the Democrats. We'll see what happens. Okay, he's
2: open to it. Mitch McConnell has got a big pause sign on. What about S- Steve Scalise?
19: Well, Steve Scalise has been saying, let's get people back to work. And also, when you look at the $3 trillion that have already been passed through Congress, let's make sure that that money is getting spent properly to help people get back on their feet and to help small businesses make it back. And we're seeing medium and large-sized businesses starting to make their plans for coming back as well. But there are a lot of small businesses that are barely hanging on, and there's a lot of money that's been uh, put out there to help them get through this. Uh, let's make sure they're getting the help they need. Uh, but when you talk about the bill that, day, and it, I understand today, later today, Pelosi is going to be rolling her bill out. It sounds like it's got a lot of things that were kicked out of the first couple of bills, like bailing out failed states, uh, voter registration, where you know they stop states from having voter integrity laws like picture ID. You know, you'll you'll need a picture ID to get into the Democrat convention, but they they want to say you don't have to have a picture ID to vote or mailing ballots to to people who are legally on voting rolls. Um, that's not where we need to be going. We need to be focused on helping people uh, and helping small businesses get through this.
2: So yeah, it's a uh, one trillion for state and local aid, a hundred billion in rent and mortgage assistance, two thousand per month cash payments for most Americans. Wow, hundreds of billions of dollars to replenish PPP expand broadband, testing, tracing, and treatment. I don't know what, how much money that's going to cost. They want to bail out the post office uh, at $4 million for all mail balloting, 15% to increase the SNAP program. So more money that we don't have that she hatched by herself, it doesn't seem the way you want to do, you know, the way you spawn to legislate. But I guess, are you used to this by now?
19: Well, it's unfortunate. We've seen this so many times where, uh, when you're in a crisis, you've got some people that just want to take advantage of the crisis to promote their own agenda that they couldn't get in normal times. Uh, and, and these are not normal times. But if you're going to get something done, you're going to have to work with other people, Brian. You know that. I mean, you know, for her to sit in, in her house in San Francisco and write a bill without any Republican input, uh, when you've got a Republican controlled Senate, the president's a Republican, uh, it shows you you're not serious about passing that bill. If you were serious about it, you would have worked. With other people that you're going to need to support it along the way and so you know we, again we've seen that before she filed that uh, that kind of bill at the very beginning uh, when we were starting to negotiate with democrats on the cares act she was writing her own bill with the green new deal and all of that crazy stuff and and it never went anywhere and this bill won't go anywhere even if it passes the house uh, it would be uh, pretty much on a party line road and so You know, let's focus on doing things that are going to help people. And really, Brian, what I don't see, and this is, I think, what's frustrating a lot of people, I don't see Congress working right now on holding China accountable uh, and on helping those families and businesses that are struggling. You know, they still keep berating businesses as if business is the enemy. uh, You know, and so these socialists that are running the the House right now, uh, they seem to be spending more time attacking American small businesses than they do holding China accountable. And, uh, and I think people are fed up with that.
2: I 100 uh, percent I agree. The president has said flat out on Friday, I'm not sure where I want to go exactly with China. But he's, he's just fuming about what they've done to our country and what they've done to the world. Congressman Steve Scalise uh, in Louisiana, 31,815 cases. He had a 215 yesterday, uh, 29 deaths. But yeah, you have definitely bent the curve in Louisiana. You've done a remarkable job. We're not out of the woods yet, but you're heading in the right direction. Congressman, thanks so much.
19: Always great to be with you, Brian. You take care.
2: You got it. Meanwhile, Chris Starwalt's next. We'll talk politics and more. And then I'll open up the phones, one And I'll see everybody tonight at 7.
1: Jason in the House, the Jason Chaffetz Podcast. Dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics, and entertainment. Subscribe now on foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. A talk show that's real. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show.
18: Mr. Joel, do you think we should make that vaccine when hopefully it, it is created, available to all, regardless of income? What do you think that poor people and working people should be last in line for the vaccine? No,
19: I, I, I um, my office is one of the offices committed to serving the underserved. And we need to be absolutely certain that if a vaccine or an effective therapeutic or preventive is available that it reaches all segments of society, regardless of their ability to pay or any other uh,
10: social determinants of health that there may be.
2: Which is interesting because I only thought the rich should survive this pandemic. I've been going on that premise for the longest time. Uh, Bernie Sanders, a little bit of a cynical question. I think so. Uh, it's, it's odd. Uh, we're watching the, uh, uh, the the really the nucleus of the president's task force testify via remote in front of a Senate committee and many of which of these many of the senators are not actually in the committee room. Uh, but I guess that's a sign of the times. Maybe it'll be a sign of the times, too, when these lawmakers decide they want to go to their hometowns uh, and still be able to attend committee meetings. I wonder if that'll be part of the future. Chris Starwalt uh, chose to uh, de-socialize de- 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 for me. He's not with me right now. It's a sign of the times at 25 minutes before the top of the hour, Let's go out to Chris.
17: I mean, I, I'm not just a, apart from you because of the coronavirus. That's just an excuse that I've been using to avoid your repeated <laughs> invitations. I just it's too much. OK, just give me some space. Right. Uh, you got it. Uh, Chris,
2: uh, Chris, I was going to plug your halftime report, Fox News halftime report. But go ahead. Uh, so with so Bernie Sanders' question. You. Are you surprised by the answer? Poor people don't suck according to the task force. Well,
17: I, w- I was going to say pretty easy question. Right. Do you think that the uh, working class people should uh, be forced to die because of this? Well, yes. oh, I don't know, Senator. <laughs> uh, it was a, It's a tough call. But on the end, we went toward uh, not slaughtering uh, blue collar Americans. Holy canola. This is why this is why <laughs> Hear- hearings are dumb uh, hearings. Congress has power of oversight. They should oversee. They should, I, wish, I wish for a more robust Congress. I wish for a Congress that fulfilled the founders' uh, ambitions of being the most important branch of government. I wish for all those things. But, man, you know, you get in a hearing like that. Bernie Sanders' question wasn't intended to elicit a truthful response. It wasn't intended to do anything except what? give him an opportunity to grandstand and try to beat up on the, uh, on the administration. That's it. That's all it was. It was just content for his click farms. Uh,
2: OK, a couple of things. Uh, the president of the United States weighed in on the pace of reopening.
6: Here's what he said about Pennsylvania. Cut one. If you look at Pennsylvania as an example, uh, if you look at various other states, I'm, I won't get into them. Uh, the people want to go back. The numbers are getting to a point where they can. and There just seems to be no effort on certain uh, blue states to get back into gear. And the people aren't going to stand for it. They want to get back. They're not going to stand for it. They want our country open. I want our country open, too. I want it open safely, but I want it open.
2: And we're starting to see some uh, revolts. We know about Texas. We know about Michigan. And in Pennsylvania, at least 10 counties in the state uh, have announced a date to reopen, And the DA and sheriffs from several counties have said they will not prosecute or enforce the restrictions put on by the governor. Let's be honest, Chris. We know Pennsylvania, there's some rural sections, uh, and there's Philadelphia, and there's Pittsburgh that is very dense. Why are we dealing with the same set of rules with these things? I think the president's got a point there.
17: Well, a couple things. One, so Pennsylvania has adopted uh, a a new, I don't (laughs) know, What Pennsylvania has done is they have divided the state into multi-county regions. So, and, and each region is given a different classification. So let's say you lived in suburban Pittsburgh. Yeah, uh, Allegheny County, the home to uh, Pittsburgh, is not ready to go. But if you live, let's say, far away, let's say you live in Beaver Township, way to the north <clears throat> of the city, or let's say you live heading out into the Laurel Highlands. Uh, or down in Washington County, maybe you're okay. Now, I understand that their concerns are related to commuters and that they're going to have things opening up and they're going to have people uh, basically spreading it from the city back out into the suburbs. But if you live in a rural county and you're included in with an urban center, that's very frustrating. Um, but, you know, where the president has to be careful here, these governors are getting very high marks, right, right? There's a lot of frustration about a, what we see consistently now is that there is a quarter of the electorate that is really, really, really frustrated. Right. They're mad. And maybe they're mad for good reason, but there's not very many of them relative to the number the percentage of Americans who are concerned about. Here, here's basically the way to think about it. About half of Republic, Republicans are about evenly divided on the question of. Should the are we opening too slow or too fast? They're about evenly divided. Democrats are like 80 percent. It's too fast. And independents are way, you know, 70 percent, 65 percent too fast. So even Republicans are divided on the question. So pushing is fine. The president wants to push because he needs his his reelection and the next four years depends on whether or not the economy gets going and people feel like we're turning the corner. But he can't be he can't be too far ahead of public opinion or he will look like he is forcing people to do something they don't want to do.
2: Good point. I have not met many people who say slow down, uh, but that's what the polls consistently say. Uh, let's talk about uh, the Michael Flynn situation without losing a lot of people that don't cover it as well as you and I do and go by Joe Biden today on Good Morning America. Yeah. He was asked, you know, were you there? What did you know? And he had two different answers within the first 90 seconds. I was busy. So I put my VCR on and I taped it. So if someone could hit play.
6: (laughs) Your former Senate colleague, Charles Grassley, has added that Flynn was entrapped and asked on the Senate floor, what did Obama and Biden know? When did they know it? So what did you know about those moves to investigate uh, Michael Flynn? And was there anything improper done?
9: I know nothing about those moves to investigate Michael Flynn, number one. Number two, this is all about diversion. This is a game this guy plays all the time. The country is in crisis. We're in an economic crisis, a health crisis. We're in real trouble. He should stop trying to always divert attention from the real concerns of the American people. The American people are worried with good reason.
2: Okay, can I get a word in here? Um, Number one, Joe Biden, if you're around. That was Grassley. It was not the president. It wasn't a distraction. It was breaking news. And we're going to get more of it today. Uh, the president is not looking to distract. It was huge news when your national security advisor uh, gets fired uh, for lying and cuts a deal. And for three years, his life been on hold and he gets buried in debt. And then it turns out that his attorney general says he was uh, being interviewed on in in a way in which he should not have been the subject of an investigation he was not informed of that at the time and this is a legitimate issue and joe biden answered wrongly
17: well wrongly or rightly depending on where you're depending on which side of the uh, toast you butter inaccurately but inaccurately right to to your by way you, by your way of thinking joe biden uh, took a legitimate question and did what he's accusing Donald Trump of doing, which is just diverting off to something else because he doesn't want to talk about it. Um, what I took away from Biden's response there to George Stephanopoulos, though, was at the end, Stephanopoulos says, Hey, you were in a meeting <laughs> where this was discussed, right? And he goes, Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You mean knowing about it? I thought you meant about prosecuting him. I didn't understand. <laughs>
2: Yeah, so let's hear he re- that part. Let's hear that. So
17: he reversed himself.
2: Let's yeah. hear it. Okay.
9: Now, I thought you asked me whether or not I had anything to do with him being prosecuted. Okay. I'm sorry. I, I, I was aware that there was, that, there, that they asked for an investigation, but that's all I know about it. And I don't think anything else. Okay.
17: Right. So was no not, that was not, that that did not sound like a guy. Who was on the level, right? That's Like, oh, I thought I, I this dog. I didn't, I didn't. It's not my dog. I don't know why it bit you. Um, so he he definitely needs a better answer there. And the other thing is, this Flynn stuff will, and the and the whole thing, and the stuff that Richard Grenell is bringing out, will be a very powerful weapon for the Trump campaign against Biden because the effort will be to inculpate Biden because there are a lot of Republicans. And this isn't a huge number of people, but it's a considerable number who believe that there was a coup, uh, attempted coup, and that Obama and Biden and it's all, you know, who who really believe that this was an urgent uh, coup attempt undertaken by the previous president and Biden. And that is a narrative that the Trump campaign with this new stuff is going to push really hard. It keeps the base intact, number one. But number two, it keeps... Biden off of his game, it keeps him off his feet. Oh, yeah, you don't want to answer this question. Well, what about this? Well, what about what Sally Yates said? What about the other thing? And the the degree to which the Trump campaign can make this part of the 2020 narrative, then that that will be helpful for Trump.
2: Yeah, very interesting. You know, I think that Trump people got to make sure if they want independence and undecideds that they redefine what we're doing here because sometimes it gets so deep. If you talk to a Jim Jordan, he's so into it, or Devin Nunes, they're in so deep, it's like getting in the, you know, walking in the middle of an open book test and you miss the whole semester. So they got to back up and, and to let everybody know what we're looking at here. You know, did he tell the truth? No. But what he didn't tell the truth about, why was he not? Because what he did was not wrong. And I have yet to hear from Michael Flynn. I think everyone underappreciates that Michael Flynn has an explanation. And I want Barr to be brought in front of Adam Schiff's committee more than life itself. And I would pay to see Michael Flynn in front of Adam Schiff's committee because I believe they have the answers and want the challenge. But right now they talk at each other. I want them them head to head. How about you?
17: I mean... I'm a I'm a old political. I just care about I just care about the horse race. Um, I, I think that it is unlikely to impossible uh, for anyone to ever get past the partisan boundaries on what happened with Russia, what happened with impeachment, what happened with all of those things. I think we I think there is a zero percent chance, basically, that Democrats are going to treat Republicans in good faith on this question and that and that, that uh, Republicans will treat Democrats in good faith. Everybody's made up their mind that the other side is a treasonous scum and they're not going to listen. And unfortunately, uh, that means that we can't, uh, we, we demonstrate our incapacity in the public today to deal with big questions because we lack consensus on big questions. But from a political standpoint, what it renders it basically as is a tool to stoke your base and fire people up on your side for both, for both parties. Uh, and, and not a lot more than that. I'm I'm afraid to say.
2: Uh, so funny. I just got a text message from my daughter. What I did is
17: I
1: was was Yeah.
2: I, I, on Sunday I ordered mother's day right at this place we like, uh, and I go, yeah, I ordered it. And all of a sudden I look down at the order and they say, um, we Will be there Tuesday, and oh, I go. Oh, that's got to be weird. Didn't. I go. Oh, I don't want that. I order from some other place. And my daughter just wrote me, "Your order from Sunday is ready." I guess I should go pick it up.
17: <laughs> so, well, is it good? I, it, it was wrong lunch. of them. It was wrong of them. But, but it I ordered br- good
2: or you- I, I, It was brunch. I well, forgot what I got, have- but I guess I have lunch waiting for me.
17: Yeah, you're gonna have. You're gonna have brunch. You're gonna have breakfast for dinner. It's gonna be fantastic. <laughs>
2: This is going to be another classic. So I have something for you. So I think that uh, talking about the political process, which you say you like. So there's a new ad rolling out from the Biden camp, which, by the way, Barack Obama talks the whole time uh, about how much better they responded to H1N1 than the president responded from this virus. And the problem is in political last week, they have quotes. Uh, The headline was Joe Biden did respond last time and it wasn't too good. Ron Klain is chief of staff, and they were in charge of the H1N1 response. Remember when Joe Biden hopped in front of the Good Morning America cameras or the Today Show, I forgot which one, and said, yeah, nothing to worry about. Just don't go on a plane, because if you sneeze in the back, it's going to go all the way up the front and destroy the airline industry for about six hours. Um, And then they had to apologize. Ron Klain says this. It is purely fortuity that this isn't one of the great mass casualty events in American history. It has... Our success in uh, with the H1N1 had nothing to do with doing anything right. It just had to do with luck. If anyone thinks this can't happen again, they don't have to go back to 1918. They have to go back to 2009. So if he wants to go out there and say he's the, the next coming of FDR in times of crisis, there's a little bit of a problem when your chief of staff is against it. Your response?
17: I don't I mean political, what are political ads supposed to do, right? I mean, look, uh, it's obviously misleading. It's a political ad. That's what it wants you to do is, is is be misled. That's, that's what they're for. When the Trump ads uh, say that Biden is like in the pocket of China or whatever, uh, it doesn't have to hew to the facts narrowly. It just has to, it has to be uh, close enough to the truth to not be taken down from television airwaves. (laughs) That's, that's only as good as it has to be. And as we know, it doesn't have to be very good. Uh, people say they hate. It's like people always say, oh, I hate the attack ads. I hate the negative politics. But they work, so people keep doing them. Uh, so I, if, you're getting your, if you are getting your information about a candidate from their own political ads, then, <laughs> you, have my condol- right, then you have my condolences.
2: I just thought you were going to be so impressed with my research, and it just fell on his face. I feel so terrible. Uh, Chris,
17: <laughs> thanks so
2: much. We made America Enjoy. a better place just now. Thank you.
17: Enjoy your stuff, French toast. <laughs> I don't get that. It's
2: fried. one 866
1: you are with Brian Kilmeade. A radio show like no other. It's Brian Kilmeade.
2: Welcome back, everybody. I'm just excited tonight at 8 o'clock with Sam Houston, the Alamo Avengers on paperback, the Texas victory that changed American history that has new information how Lincoln and Houston. Abraham Lincoln and Sam Houston got together. Uh, tonight I'm doing something I've never done before like everybody else. No book tour, but a virtual book tour. I'm going to be at 8 o'clock. Go to briankilmeade.com slash events. And I'm going to be doing a Zoom call. And if you go ahead, register, you get a book, and we get to interact, answer all your questions. Here what you have to say, More, more than uh, I'm more interested in that. Oh, but I'll tell you about the book, it's history, uh, how we put it together, what I'm working on. So that'll be tonight. Just go get a ticket, BrianKilme.com slash events, or click on it. i will just show you uh, how to go about it. Um, and we're just watching also that Anthony Fauci's taking some tough questions Uh, He's getting a a lot of the Democrats just want to blame the president to make little speeches. But for the most part, it seems to be a bizarre Senate committee hearing. Um, We do have something to end on a positive note. It looks like Major League Baseball owners have approved a plan to start a coronavirus uh, delayed season. It'll be about 80 games. It'll start in July, spring training in June. A lot of minor league teams will go by the board. Sadly, that was going to be on on the table anyway as teams try to cut their expenses. But what's happening is... We know about the contentiousness between the players and the owners. And even though we got NASCAR starting uh, this weekend, UFC started last weekend, PGA starting in June, I believe Major League Baseball is going to be at an impasse because the union is so strong. The owners say, I'm not paying for a full season. The players say, yeah, it's not my fault we're not playing a full season. So we might not have baseball because these tone-deaf clowns don't understand that they have to compromise much like the clowns we're looking at in Washington. Brian Kilmeade Show, thanks so much for listening, everyone. Stay safe, stay healthy, and keep it here.
12: From the Fox News Podcasts Network, subscribe and listen to the Trey Gowdy Podcast. Former federal prosecutor and four-term U.S. congressman from South Carolina brings you a one-of-a-kind podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com.